previously on the punchline an old masked vigilante named the comedian is dead rosha an outlawed masked vigilante is on the case we met the other vigilantes roshak dan dryberg dr manhattan and lori jespisek roshak tracks down his old pals to warn them that there's a conspiracy to remove masked vigilantes from the picture analyzing the first chapter of watchmen at midnight all the agents we explored a brief summary of the events looked at the various visual vocabulary and motifs such as the smiley face doomsday clock the use of the 3 by 3 grid the use of opposing colors of the color wheel to represent contrasting events and setting up rival characters via the use of contrasting colors such as purple for ozymandias and yellow for roshak we also explored the character establishing shots of our principal vigilantes and how the shots communicate the traits of the characters personalities and finally we saw some graffitis holding signs newspapers headlines and posters to decipher the world within which the story of watchmen takes place hello and welcome to the punchline i'm your host vikrant and today we will explore the first two chapters of hollis masons aka night owl's autobiography under the hood in the first chapter we will learn about the heartbreaking story of mo vernon hollis's father's boss in depression era new york city and in the second chapter we hear about the events that led to hollis creating the persona of night owl is Vikram Banerjee and today I'm going to talk about uh, Under the Hood which is the first chapter of Hollis Mason's memoir and it comes right after the first chapter of Watchmen which is At Midnight All the Agents at this point in the storyline we know that Rorschach has been conducting his own independent investigations of what happened to the comedian who killed the comedian and he's been warning other members of crime busters Dan Dryberg Dr Manhattan Laurie Jespisek and just trying to get a sense of what may have happened and obviously he didn't wait as well and he's been meeting up uh, different members of the crime busters a group which never really took off as we come to know later on and uh, trying to conduct his own investigations as to what happened to the comedian and what we have here with under the hood we have two chapters of under the hood which is a in betweener between chapter 1 and chapter 
to and what we're gonna do here is we're gonna talk about the summary we're just gonna summarize basically what hollis mason talks about in these two chapters of under the hood his memoir and how that is relevant to the larger storyline of watchmen there are two chapters that we see in this uh, in between a chapter of watchmen and what we see here is basically two chapters where first of all we see hollis mason beginning his uh, memoir with what he describes as the most sad thing that he can think about in his story and the saddest thing that uh, he can come up with is mo vernon who was his father's boss in depression era new york city and he talks about his family's history where his family came from so the family came from down from montana where they had a farm and his grandfather opposed that move from their farm in montana to the big city where his father works as an auto mechanic for mo vernon we also come to know that uh, mo vernon eventually kills himself when he comes to know that his wife was cheating on him with his lead mechanic Fred Motts and this is basically the story that we see in the first chapter of Under the Hood and in this particular in between a chapter we see two chapters and the second chapter basically we get a look into the origin story of Mason who later on as we know becomes the first night owl uh, dan driver being the second night owl who succeeds him in the crime busters era and we get a sense of where exactly does hollis mason get the idea of becoming a masked vigilante uh, someone who wears a mask and goes fighting crime at night and now that we have a basic summary of what happens in this particular in between a chapter i want to talk about the concept of irony what we're gonna deal with what we basically deal with here in Watchmen and what I have gathered so far of my reading this comic book is we're dealing with two concepts which is uh, irony and absolutes so what is irony so a quick google search in the dictionary definition of irony is a state of affairs or an event that seems deliberately contrary to what one expects and is often wryly amusing as a result and I want to talk about irony as far as what we have covered so far so what I want to point go back to chapter one uh, the last page of chapter one when dan and laurie finish dinner and they're just catching up and they're talking about the comedian's death and generally catching up on the events of old days and in that last page of the first chapter we is um, dan driver and laurie talk about this particular guy in the old days who used to pretend to be a super villain just so that he can get beaten up by these mass vigilantes and laurie and dan both exchange their own experiences with this particular villain and how laurie did indulge him she beats him up when she catches him coming out of a jeweler's and dan dryberg says that he himself avoided beating him because he became aware of what uh, this guy's motivations were and this is where we finally realize his point where we are headed which is when this particular super villain this guy finally pulls his mother soprani once he finally pulls that with rorschach rorschach throws him down an elevator shaft killing him therein lies the irony a guy 
guy who likes getting beaten up who is clearly a masochist eventually gets killed because of that self-destructive behavior and it's very interesting that it was Rorschach who finally ends up killing him because we already know that Rorschach sees the world in black and white what I initially mentioned was absolute values he sees things in black and white that is there are no moral gray areas so that is where under the hood ties into the larger narrative of Watchmen the conflict between the world as we want it to be which is absolute values versus the world as it turns out to be which is where irony kicks in so this conflict between the world as we want it to be versus how the world turns out to be therein lies the joke and therein lies the irony so let's talk about instances within under the hood where we see irony surface and uh, this is where i want to say that the first chapter of under the hood is all about irony you have mo vernon now what's interesting about mo vernon is that he owns this auto garage shop he has this very thriving business and he has a peculiar habit he has he's a master prankster he's someone who loves a practical joke and there's something interesting about him is that he's obsessed with sex and according to Hollis he has all these exotic sex toys which are all increasingly immature and yet childishly funny what's ironic is that Mo Vernon's wife is clearly not satisfied with him and hence she ends up cheating on him with Fred Mods who is his lead mechanic in this first chapter we come to know that at some point his wife writes Mo Vernon a letter confessing her adultery with Fred Mots and that the two of them have fled to Mexico but not before emptying their joint bank account. So we come to know that the wife uh, confesses her adultery to Mo Vernon and Mo Vernon's reaction to this whole thing is initially he pretends that he's okay in front of everyone and once everyone has left he kills himself and therein lies the ironic part when he tells his co-workers about the fact that Fred Mods has been sleeping with his wife, although this is a very grave news, this is something which is clearly very sad for him, the people's reaction to this event is they all laugh at him simply because he was wearing uh, one of his more exotic sex toys, in this case a colourful styrofoam thing which uh, resembles a pair of breasts. And this I think is Hollis Mason's first encounter with irony because I think this is where uh, he begins to see that the world is not what we want it to be. The second instance which I want to talk about is Hollis Senior. Hollis Senior is his grandfather obviously and Hollis Senior judges his own son a lot He's of the opinion that uh, the countryside, the Montana farms, is where life is good and people in the countryside uh, uphold a higher moral value whereas people in the city are all people who, have, who are of a compromised moral position. And herein again, Hollis finds himself in a place where he does eventually figure out that his grandfather's worldview is very one-sided because there is a lot of domestic violence and there's a lot of child abuse that goes on in these farms in Montana behind closed doors underneath all the moral superiority of the countryside. So what we see here is um, as the first chapter of Under the Hood unfolds, we see that Hollis is encountering the world as is again and again. The world is not how we want it to be. Again and again we see that events unfold regardless of human desires. Man proposes, God disposes. And it's not how we 
purport the world to be it's the world has its own way of working and we cannot control it all we can do is see the irony in it and maybe get the laugh and the comedian got this we'll explore more about the comedian and how the comedian is a very significant character in the watchmen simply because he sees the irony in things and doesn't impose his own view on the world and doesn't get hung up on the on his own view of how the world should be he merely accepts the world as is so again and again in this first chapter we see Hollis encounter the irony of the world when we begin the second chapter we see him dealing with these ironies that he keeps spotting in the world and instead of accepting them we see that Hollis is looking for simplicity and this is where uh, we see that Hollis has begun to confront ironies of the world over here there is a line where um, he says the old men who touched little children and the callous young rapists who were barely old enough to shave again and again we see the ironies that a uh, hollis is clearly encountering and it clearly disturbs him when we read further we see this line where he talks about i saw these people all around me and i feel sick in my gut at the world and what it was becoming worse there were times when i'd upset my dad and mom by loudly wishing i was back in montana despite everything i wished no such thing but sometimes i'd be mad at them and it seemed like the best way to hurt them to reawaken all those old doubts and worries and sleeping dogs of guilt so this is where we see that hollis mason reaches the crescendo of encountering these ironies of the world and this is where a hollis mason is different from the comedian this is where he is very similar to roshak because when the second chapter finally starts talking about what happens next we see that hollis mason is now are talking about comic books and pulp magazines and the difference therein because what he says is that there's a lot of repressed sex and there's a lot of gray moral areas within pulp magazines and the storylines within them but contrast that with comic books and we find Hollis Mason finding solace in reading about Doc Savage and The Shadow and finally Superman he finds uh, and I quote him here the atmosphere of the horrific and faintly sinister that hung around the shadow was nowhere to be seen in the bright primary colors of superman's world and there was no hint of the repressed sex urge which had sometimes been apparent in the pulps to my discomfort and embarrassment i'd never been entirely sure what lamont cranston was up to with margot lane but i'd bet it was nowhere near as innocent and wholesome as clark kent's relationship with her namesake lois finally we see hollis talk about his juvenile fantasies as he calls them he thinks about how he would beat up gangsters who kidnap his math teacher miss albertine and how after doing that she'd break off her engagement with his sarcastic english teacher mr richardson uh, because quote unquote she had fallen hopelessly in love with her grim-faced and silent 14-year-old savior so what we see here is hollis mason encountering the ironies of life and instead of accepting them for what they are he finds he escapes into the solace of comic books and absolutes and black and white and absolute values and begins to completely disregard moral gray area and herein lies the conflict of uh, watchmen where we have characters who are uh, very pragmatic you have characters who are uh, very much uh, in acceptance of the ironies of the world in this case it would be adrian wait aka ozymandias and then you have characters who 
reject uh, ironies of the world and instead find solace and embrace the values of the absolute in this case it would be Rorschach and then obviously you have Doc Manhattan who is apathetic he takes no side he does not care about absolutes he sees it all and he takes no position and he just lets events unfold as we will explore later on in the next chapters thank you for tuning in do let me know what you think do tune in later for my analysis of chapter 2 of Watchmen which is absent friends thank you so much